0: The South Congress Podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: This is South Congress Podcast, episode 110. My name is Cameron. And it's me, y'all. So, like, first, I need to apologize. Um, we So we got ready to record, and then the... Uh, The audio supply for our mixers like died. Um, And, you know, you you don't like test those every day. You don't expect that to go out. So it did. So we're doing this off of like old technology. Um, So the next episode will sound better. It's just ordering a replacement part. Um, I might have driven around for two hours looking for one. And nobody carries anything in stores anymore.
0: So, those of y'all on Twitter that leech off Cam, we're going to need y'all to start a GoFundMe so we can get the power supply stuff. Since y'all like to leech off his jokes, go ahead and send I'm, that money.
1: I'm, I'm, I have $30. We're okay.
0: <laughs> Again, still set up the, uh, the GoFundMe. We'll still appreciate it.
1: So, I want to start this episode with three stories.
0: Mm-hmm. Three I like stories. stories
1: from Facebook. Oh, interesting. And. It's just, like, Facebook just has this parallel... I mean, Facebook is the real world. It really is. And for no other reason than... <laughs>
0: to an extent, So yeah. many
1: people from so many different walks of life participate, and so you hear from everybody. Like, Twitter is kind of a... Twitter's a smaller thing because most people are of a certain age. Most people have a certain understanding of the world. Like, it's different. But everybody... Your mom has Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, everybody has Facebook. So, it's a bit different, but... The first Facebook story I'm going to tell you is from Sarah Langston. Are you familiar with Sarah Langston?
0: No. Who is that?
1: Sarah Langston is a young mm-hmm. lady we went to high school with.
0: Really? Um, Did she yeah. go to Com Arts? No. Oh.
1: Um, she went to Taft? Yeah. But basically... Sarah Langston. That it it like... doesn't matter. Okay. So Sarah has this long Facebook post. And, and I'll just kind of <clears throat> start reading it, and Mm -hmm. I'll stop when I get angry. Okay. Caution. Some may believe I am not entitled to my opinion or that it is not valid because of the color of my skin, my ethnicity, my spiritual beliefs, and especially because of my political ideology. Last I checked, this is still a free country, and my fellow patriots are still fighting to keep this country free, united, informed, and awake from the thought police... Deep state-controlled mainstream media, politically correct but corrupt, uh, I, far-radical, left-liberal socialist Democrats who hate America and American values.
0: You know she has a dry pussy.
1: I, that's not fair. Um, but let's just skip ahead a little bit. So this is my stance on Candace Owens and Black Voices for Trump 2020. Um, from what I've heard her, from what I've seen from her tours in, in her tours in Turning Point USA. And with her movement for from, uh, from Blexit, she has done more for the black community by not being afraid to expose the hypocrisy and lies of the far-left Democrat agenda. I'll just stop there. Um, so, can I tell you why I chose Sarah Langston specifically? Why is that? <clears throat> if you look at Sarah Langston's Facebook page. Okay. Sarah Langston has a lot of pictures. Um, Sarah Langston travels a lot for her job. Go through all her Facebook pictures. Hundreds of them. Okay. How many black people you find in those pictures? How many? Zero. So, it's amazing that somebody with such a strong concern for the black community doesn't involve themselves in the black community. Except on a Facebook post. Okay? Sounds quite white. That's story number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Story number two <clears throat> is, is a short one. Um, it's actually a secondhand story. So our friend Mal lives in a very nice neighborhood. Half a million dollar houses everywhere, right? Yeah. She's a member of her neighborhood Facebook group. And so when protests started, someone in the group said that they were worried about people coming to loot the neighborhood. Now, to be clear, um, so we live in a suburb that is 10, 15 miles north of Austin, right? Yeah. So, considering that looting and rioting typically happens in the downtown areas, somebody would have to be angry enough to drive essentially 40 minutes to come to this neighborhood, which they would not be familiar with unless they lived here.
0: Mm -hmm. Or knew somebody that lived here. To loot.
1: Nobody's ever driven 45 minutes to loot. Well, black people have never driven 45 minutes to loot. Okay? Yeah. That's story number two. Here's story number three. I am a member of a group called Pflugerville Peeps. Pflugerville Peeps exists because... Pflugerville Neighbors was too clickish, <laughs> And people didn't like how things were going over there. Wait, wait, wait. What? Pflugerville mm. Peeps okay. exists mm-hmm. because Pflugerville Neighbors was too clickish. Okay. I want you to understand the total population of Pflugerville. And again, it's it's another suburb that's north of Austin, guys. The total population is 25,000.
0: Basically, um, one way to put it, people that live in Pflugerville don't have enough money to live in Lake Travis or Westlake. But let's keep going. This is why some of these people are really pissed off and why they have their certain ideas. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, to, to explain Pflugerville, like, in short, mm-hmm. Pflugerville <clears throat> voted against paying taxes to Austin Community College so that their kids could basically take classes for $250 as opposed to $1,100 per class. They voted against it because Austin Community College did not want to build an actual building in Pflugerville. Um, I, as a resident of Pflugerville, um, it is a 15-minute drive to ACC in Round Rock and a 15-minute drive to ACC Highland from Pflugerville. Now, it takes me longer to drive from my house or my, my apartment mm-hmm. to Chris and Ma's house in Pflugerville than it would be to get to ACC. So in the same city... It would take longer to get to a neighboring place, right? <clears throat> yeah. So so that's that should explain Pflugerville really quickly. But here's what happened. So COVID nineteen happens, right? Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah, yeah. there are people who are very cautious and there are people who really, really, really wanna go outside. Um, to the point where like there are full blown arguments about it and you know, one person's Somebody's family member died. Somebody, three family members died.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: And somebody replied, oh, I'm sorry if I was making light of your situation. Would you mind telling me how old they were? Okay. So this is already like just a cesspool. Would you mind
0: letting me choking you the fuck out when I see you in This is already a cesspool, right?
1: So COVID-19 is bad enough. Then Black Lives Matter protests happen and pflugerville is like 20 percent black yeah but you know if you when once you have a 20 percent of the population but then you make a facebook group it's going to dwindle right so there are people making loot jokes and riot jokes and all that then you come back and you see black people um You know, trying to be positive about it, like trying not to argue, just being positive. But... One guy gets in there and and basically lays it on the line. He's like, so what has protesting actually solved? And then he talks about all the things that are actually changing. And it just turns into just all kinds of weird conversations. The breaking point for me, Mm -hmm. and I think it might (laughs) have been the breaking point for the group, which I'm going to explain... The breaking point for me was uh, a white lady posted in the group. Does anyone know, um, can anyone recommend a good black photographer to take pictures of my family? These motherfuckers did not know how to take that. Somebody in the group said, so, oh, we're just going to be outright racist now? And why wouldn't we just go for the best photographer and all that kind of stuff, Right. So, another white lady, who I guess they're friends, was like, well, her husband is black and her child is mixed. And black photographers have been more capable of shooting their skin tone. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's it's literally <clears throat> why black people go to black photographers, because they understand how to shoot their skin. It, it's something they lose. like Barbers? That simple. Yeah. All somebody had to say well, barbers, was like, yeah. do you go to the highest-rated barber, or do you go to the highest-rated barber that you know can do the job specific to what you need? It just makes sense.
0: I mean, I'll put it like this. Even though Rio's cut in San Antonio is, is famous for the four ninety-five cut, when I used to go there growing up, I had never once seen a black person in there. A bunch of Mexican people.
1: I say all of this to say... Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. The final post in the group was really hoping that all the Amber Alerts are not the quote unquote new normal. I'm tired of being bothered on my cell phone at the prospect of missing children. (laughs) So one of the moderators said, we will be archiving the group until July. We hope you all enjoy your free time while we are on a break. They just had to (laughs) shut it down, man so that's my third facebook story um that's hilarious facebook it f- informs a lot yeah um also so, tells a lot
0: about a lot of people too
1: so let's catch up it's mm-hmm. been a while um how do you feel what's new with you what's going on
0: no i mean, I mean everything's everything's same i mean like you know finished fully moving in the new sk house yeah um you know i'm just kicking back just waiting to see what's gonna happen with with school and everything you know with athletics and whatnot um I mean, now that cases are starting to spike and uh, I mean, hell, I mean, r- right now sports and everything's on, but they can reverse course and say, nah, you know what? We're good. Like, you know, we don't need to have sports, but uh, I'm just sitting back, you know, just kind of just taking everything in and just, just looking at a lot of the, the change that is now happening and, and just kind of, I, I guess in a way thinking about it in my own aspect of what, of how I feel about stuff. How, how's everything going with you? You know, I know you've been in a couple protests. How, how have those been?
1: So, <clears throat> I was at HEB maybe two days ago, right? And I see one of the barbers in my shop in the parking lot. And, you know, I just, you know, I tap him, I say what's up to him. And he's like, he's like, yo, I see you out there. And I'm like, "No, oh, yeah. He's like, yo, I, I don't know if I could do that. Like, I don't know if I'd be comfortable doing that. But I see you out there and I appreciate it. And, you know, my thing is, you got to tell the story from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So, George Floyd is murdered, and he's murdered, and he narrates his own execution, um, which is, like, to call that weird is an understatement. He's literally describing, you know, word for word what's happening to him. He, he says, you're going to kill me. He says he can't breathe. He calls out to his mom. Um, and then, you know, every, everybody's always a few degrees from separation, right? Who's his boy? Steven Jackson. And when Steven Jackson was a spur, um, he used to go to my church. And I don't mean that like my mega church. I mean, my church that holds 75 people jail yeah so you know it it's you see somebody like you think highly of somebody you've been around um like you've seen you see them going through this thing dealing with this pain and it hits and you know brianna taylor um asleep in her house um a no-knock raid they end up busting in the shooting and they kill her and the police are not even charged with anything you know and Back to the George Floyd thing, you know, you had to see it. You saw a cop kneeling on a guy's neck, two other cops holding him down, and one standing watch so that nobody could say anything. It's disgusting. It's deplorable. Um, It's
0: a daylight murder is what that is.
1: So we get on here a lot, and we talk about how things should be, and we talk about how people should be, and we talk about how we want the world to be, and... You know, I I wrestled with it. I went back and forth with it. And I just decided, like, yo, I can't can't not be a part of this. I can't not have my face out there as somebody who is going to be about the things that he talks about. Like, it just had to happen. So, it it was emotional, man. I, I don't know if anything in adulthood has been... As emotional as being in this giant group of people who collectively feel this pain, who have to deal with this trauma and want the world to be better. Not just for them, because they're not all black people, but they want the world to be better for black people and they want the world to be better for themselves by extension. You know, Um, I want to. For sure, thank my man, Mike O'Hara. Um, I want to thank Cyril Ortiz because these are people who are not, they're not black people. You know what I mean? Um, and of course, they have their own connections to the black community. But it takes a lot for something that is not directly about you for you to step outside of yourself and put your face out there in public as somebody who supports this. Like, it means a lot to me. Um, the actual experience of protest, um, it's scary. And the reason that it's scary is you don't know if you're coming home, you know, like, of course we never know if we're going to make it home. Right. But I don't trust the police. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't, I think that, you know, we know a guy. Whose name I won't put out there um, because I don't know the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. But we know a guy we went to school with who is a cop who had to go through like a long, drawn out process questioning whether or not a shooting that he made was on the up and up or not. You know what I mean? So, uh, oh,
0: that's
1: yeah, right. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what's crazy is I didn't know about it until he said something about it. Like these things are not publicized, you know? So, and, and here's how the conversation always goes, right? Mm-hmm. I knew that guy growing up and thought he was as solid as anybody. But knowing what he does for a living and where he does it, I don't have a trust of him because I used to know him. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think that because we go back, I'm special to him. You know and I mean, like I, who it, it, it's rough. And you know, I have like family in law enforcement. You know what I mean? Like I, who. But okay. To stay on topic. So you get out there, and you're marching with this big group of people, and it feels great, right? You get to the Capitol, and there are about a hundred people in riot gear outside of the Capitol with the gates closed with shields and guns.
0: Look like they're going to start some trouble.
1: Like, just standing there. And these are the police. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, so... Like being right there, and it, it was two weeks in a row, being right there in the middle of that, it's really nerve wracking, right? So, the first time we go out there is me and Mike, and we're doing the walk. After we leave uh, the Capitol, we walk to police headquarters. A bunch of people out there speaking, um, like all different black leaders. Um, saying some really solid stuff. And I'll say this about black leaders, guys. You got to remember Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Bobby Seale, Huey Newton, like all these guys in their prime. You know, everybody died before 40. And I mean, like we're basically the age of these civil rights leaders. So everybody that was out there speaking was probably younger than me. Yeah. You know, and, and
0: more or less about racism, yeah, you're it's right. It's
1: unfortunate that you know, black people got to grow up early. And it's not fair. Like black people don't get to be kids. They have to make a decision early on where they stand about what's going on in the world because the world's going to treat them like adults as soon as they possibly can, you know? I mean, there was a lot of pain, man. There was a lot of pain. Um, You know, there was tears. Uh, It it was rough. Um, But it was good to hear them talk about the things they want to be different. Fast forward about 10 minutes. We get tear gassed. And boy, I don't know how to describe that. Like, Imagine you're cutting onions. Mm-hmm. Then they throw the onions at your eyes, <laughs> and then they make you eat, um, you know, a whole, uh, a whole shaker of pepper at the same time. It's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever felt in my life. Um, luckily, we were, I guess, downwind of it because we got to kind of run it out, um, and we're good. But like, we're passing people who are getting milk poured on their face. You know, um, and and guys, this wasn't a bunch of people looting or rioting. It was literally people occupying the highway because they thought that the message needed to be heard, and you know we're tear gassed as a result. Um. So yeah, that's week one. Uh. So last week, I go to. Uh, they have a protest at Houston Tillotson and it's the president of HT and uh, a bunch of people for the Austin justice coalition. And they, um, you know, they get up there, they speak, they they do some really interesting things with, you know, letting white people know what they need to do to help because you can't fix racism without correcting the racist. And I think that you know, the onus is so often placed on black people to be better. And to the point where black people are like, I'm one of the good ones. Like, don't single me out. And the whole point should be, you shouldn't have to be one of the good ones. You should be a person first. You know? Um, and And that's really everything, man. Like, I don't... You've known me a long time. Mm-hmm. One thing I don't care about is... The adoration of white people. I don't care. (laughs) Like, I don't need white people to like me. Um, The less white people that like me probably means the better job I'm doing. Um, And it's unfortunate to say that in 2020, but that's probably what it means. You know, so um, they really kind of lit that fire and said, you have to be the change because we shouldn't have to be different to be treated like people. You know, it was a lot. So um, from there, we marched to downtown again. And we're talking, gosh, uh, a couple miles, Mm -hmm. you know, and there were thousands on thousands of people. I didn't realize how big the crowd was, so I started seeing pictures. Um, And then, you know, they they talk in the middle, and we marched back. um, And Mike was with me uh, again, you know, like I said, like, Cyril invited me out there. It was really cool. It's just nice. It's nice to see people who don't have to be involved, get involved. It's really cool. Um, so, you know, the aftermath. Here's what's difficult. So where's my family from? My family's from Southern Maryland, um, a place that is predominantly black and, you know, a place that was definitely affected by slavery. Like I told you, I have my grandparents were sharecroppers, you know what I mean? And, and what's a sharecropper? A generation removed from a slave, like that—that's what it is, yeah, right? Basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents were sharecroppers, and you know, I used to sit in the barn with my uncle shucking tobacco. So, whenever somebody tells you slavery was like a long, long time ago, like no, Cameron Hawkins, born in 1985, was sitting there <laughs> in a in a barn shucking tobacco. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't it, it ain't that long ago. Yeah. So. What's hard is, you know, because of COVID-19, you know, families are closer. Like, I'm in a group chat with my family. And, you know, I they're talking about, you know, what are you doing today? Everybody's asking. And I showed them, you know, pictures of me from the protest. And they're like, just make sure you keep it peaceful. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I think Samuel L. Jackson was on CNN. And... Somebody in the chat was like, yeah, he got on there. He said a bunch of stuff like he didn't curse like it was good. And I'm like, while I understand your desire to do things on the up and up, has doing things on the up and up worked? Like, what do people always say when somebody's violent or somebody's vulgar? What would MLK say? And what would you say? I'd ask him, but you shot him dead. So, people who don't like conflict are very, very fond of nonviolent protest.
0: This is facts. This is facts. Like,
1: they love it. You know what I mean? Like, because they get to say, oh, look at them. They're trying so hard. And then they don't go out and vote. Um, They don't sign any positions. They don't give no money. They just like to say that. You know what I'm saying? So. It's hard because i I of course like love and adore my family, and they're a great loving, successful collection of black people. They're they're fantastic. fuck all that, man? Let me be mad, like let me be upset, let me react to the world, how the world's reacting to me. I don't want to be better, I don't want to be above it all. I want it to change, you know so that and and I say that to say, man, that was the vibe both days. Like, it wasn't, you know, we need to come together and make sure that they see um, just how decent and upstanding we can be and that'll change their hearts. No, I'm not interested and haven't been for a long time in changing anyone's heart. What I want to change are the laws around me and mine and how you're allowed to treat us. That's what I want to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, So... All this happens, right? And something that's not fair, but that I'm coming to terms with is Twitter and popularity and signal boosting. What's not fair about it is I used to be able to joke about people and it'd be funny, but now. I got to be careful who I joke on mm-hmm. so that a hundred people don't pile on them and they get sad. It's weird. Hey, it, what? No, seriously. What are you talking about? I'm talking about just like in general, like somebody will uh, say something corny on wrestling Twitter, right? Okay. And I'm like, yo, what? And then I get accused of bullying because I know what it'll do. Well, wait, wait, let's not. We're not even arguing the right or wrong of that.
0: No, no, I know. I know. We're
1: just talking about the point. So, I had to look up and be like, "Wow, I'm kind of popular on this thing." So, what happened the last couple of weeks? I went to protests. Mm-hmm. I broke bread. I signed a bunch of petitions, all of which are valuable. Like, I can't tell you the audience, how to fix the world. What I can say is those are three options. You know, like I I'm, I tell these stories so that we can circle back to the stories. I 100% understand that barber being like, yo, I wouldn't be comfortable out there. And the black experience is not a monolith. You know what I mean? Black people are not a monolith. We are different. We go through different things. The thing that we have in common is how people see us. Mm-hmm. So I respect like a man with a family and kids. You saying you not comfortable being in a situation where a cop can do you wrong and is more likely to do you wrong. I get it. You still my man. I don't think nothing bad of you. If you broke, you ain't got no money to put on nothing. Who am I to tell you you need to put your last five dollars into a Black Lives Matter fund and you don't know exactly where the money's going? I I get it. Right. If you are not of signing petitions because you don't want your information out there and you want to donate stuff anonymously, I I get it. Like, I can't tell you how to do it. Those are three ways to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that. A bunch of people will be like, well, you know, all lives matter and we're all important. And, and that's cool. But I'm like, the people who say that are the Sarah Langstons. Are the people who don't actually engage in what black people do, but they see an idea from a quote unquote radical black person. And they're like, yeah, that's the way to do it. That'll fix it. It's the it's the media's fault. Black people don't trust the police. No, it's my bad experiences with police that make me not trust police. I've even had
0: bad experiences with police, too.
1: What's my first bad experience with a cop? My first bad experience with a cop is in Ingram Park Mall. It was me. It was Brandon Forside. It was Jason Thomas. I think it was Marcus Golden. When we were in middle school, mm-hmm. we said, hey, you know what we should start doing? We should start wearing the same color every day to school, and just plan it out like that. It'll look cool. And so one day we wear blue, another day yellow, another red, another green. Like, we just started doing that, right? Mm -hmm. One day, we all decided after school to go to the mall. and We were all wearing the same colored shirt. And do you know what happened?
0: What
1: happened? A black cop came up to us in the mall and told us that we were not allowed to be in groups larger than two. And I told the black cop, so no families are allowed to walk around? Like, it can't be a husband, a wife, and a kid? And do you know what he told me? That's not what I mean. So the issue was, we were a bunch of black kids who happened to be wearing the same color. Like, there's no blood presence in northwest San Antonio. Like, and again, this is me telling you a black cop did this to us who just as easy could have asked us two, three questions. Hey, where you guys go to school? Would it have been intrusive? Sure. But would it have diffused the situation? Would it have brought understanding? Yeah. But no, he decided he didn't want us to be comfortable in public. OK, so no, nah, I don't. If a black cop will do that to me. What will a white cop do?
0: I don't even want to think about that, to be honest.
1: So, yeah. So, okay, getting back to Twitter. So, basically, like... I have a responsibility, question mark? You know, I've... What? (laughs) Yeah, because this is the thing. Like, my stance on wrestling Mm -hmm. has put me in a position where i can make money talking about wrestling right
0: okay yeah. and
1: that's not a lot of people can do that you know not a lot of people have and i'm not saying it's my audience what i'm saying is like not a lot of people can tap into a pro wrestling torch audience and just have that okay you know i'm saying so yeah absolutely the game's been good to me I can't can't deny that. The game's been good to me. And I I honestly think that my stuff over here has made it easier for us, me and you, to maneuver over here. Mm -hmm. Like, I I just think there are easier things for us to do. There are connections we have now. So I sat back. I was like, look, man, there has to be a way that I can give back to this thing that's been good to me. So that's where Black Wrestling Coalition comes from. Um,
0: Was that something that you, you started? or
1: It was me. But yeah, oh, we, was you? you know, oh. oh, yeah. You know, we didn't really have that conversation beforehand. No,
0: we didn't. And I, I know typically you, I know you mentioned it. Yeah, but I didn't know that was you that started yeah, it. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, all right okay. I, okay, that makes a lot yeah. of sense.
1: Now. All right. And, and really, what that was, man, it was just looking at. Think about that black photographer, that's gonna get that call from that white lady and her mixed family. Mhm. You know, um and him not even knowing, him or her, not even knowing that before they got recommended and called, there's a whole 100 comment thread about why he shouldn't have been chosen or she shouldn't have been chosen, right? Yeah. Like they'll never know that. But their existence is a problem to people. Right? So I turn around and I'm like, look, for whatever reason, like there, there are a bunch of factors to why me specifically can be in the space that I'm in. Right. Um, what do you got to be? Got to know the right people. You got to have good content. Um, and you have to appeal to more than just the immediate base for reasons I won't get into. I I cover that. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Every black wrestling podcaster doesn't look like me, doesn't talk like me, and doesn't know the people I know. But so many of them are so good. And nobody will ever know. Like, these kids, uh, Public Enemies podcast. This um, And the only reason I know them is the most random shit. South by Southwest, one of the first ones I went to, mm-hmm. I see a kid in an iced out WWE chain. And I'm like, holy shit, that's so cool. And me and him get cool here from California. And then, you know, years later, like, even though we were already friends on like social media, years later, him and his buddies start Public Enemies podcast. And man, when I, I think I work hard. When I tell you these kids work. I mean the graphics. I mean covering every show. I mean doing live streams. It's amazing. And and all of their opinions, like whether they're the right or the wrong opinion, they're well thought out. They make a lot of sense. Like they're so dedicated to this. As many people that know me should know these kids. They just should. Right? I look at uh, the kids at Tiger Driver and Chris specifically, who I've had on the show. Um, who's done... Um, like. All this merch and interviews and that's the kid i did the uh the ig live with like yeah yeah, okay he doesn't need me but he's so damn good and so like when i see a kid like him say damn photoshop's too expensive or, or this adobe suite is too expensive and i gotta remember not only am i 34 years old with a career but my career also gives it to me damn near for free Like, creative suite, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, damn, is this kid going to have to struggle with making art when his art is so damn good? Like, he shouldn't have to do that. And if I'm in a position to help that, I should. I look at this kid, who uh, this kid I know from Florida who's training to wrestle, right? And he'll text me and call me to bounce ideas about his character, about his music, about his gear. When this kid tells me and, and, and not like he told me because he wanted something from me, but I'm asking the kid about his wrestling year, and he tells me he's in $15 Amazon kick pads. I can't have that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when I got, and I, and I told the kid, um, July, I got you, $100. Like, I got you. Hmm? Because not saying, what if he's the next rock? He shouldn't have to be the next rock. You know what I'm saying? He should get the chance to be good at a thing or even okay at a thing like all these other people get. And the things that he doesn't have, me and people like me are the ones who are supposed to be helping. Like we're supposed to be giving these kids looks. We're supposed to be giving these kids attention. And if we got it, we're supposed to be giving these kids money. And I'm not talking about supporting them like paying your rent. But damn, if I can put you in some fresh gear for the ring so that you look good in front of that promoter. If I can send you $25 to get some pictures done so that they want to book you. Like that's what I want to do. And on top of all that, if me and these kids and the other people in my space. Can put together a little, little, little bit of money. Because I told him a dollar a month. If we can put together a little bit of money. Just a a tad. Towards an organization or a fund that we know is going to help black people. If we can do that organized, man, it could change the whole world. You know? And, And maybe only a small corner of the world. The small corner that is wrestling Twitter right but if I'm a part of that space I don't know what more I don't know a space where I can contribute more like of course I can give $100 of Black Lives Matter of course I can put money towards somebody who wasn't necessarily killed funeral and I'm doing that but what can I do that's going to have the biggest signal that is going to help people like me it's that you know um And when I tell you this stuff keeps me up at night, man, it really, really does. Because, you know, you don't, especially after the first protest, you don't know if you're going to make it home. You really don't know. It's scary. But if I can leave here when I have to leave here saying that people like me knew that I was for them, that's the most important thing. You know, um... Tell you what, like to bring it lighter, I'm not going to say a bad thing happened, but a thing happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know, I put the video out, right? And the video does, you know, 400 retweets and 600 likes or whatever. And it's all pat on the back. And I'm here to support you and DMs like, yo, how can I help? And I want to be down and all that. Right. So one wrestler um, who did just get signed, by the way, like salute to him for that. Super serious brother. Right. And he's like, he's like, all right, well, I mean, he's like, you got a responsibility now and we just can't let nobody run this. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, whoa, 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 my brother, like, you know, whatever you want to do to support the culture, like, I'm with that. Like, do that. But you can't just jump in, like, onto my space and be like, we do not going to do that. And then he sends me the tweet. When you're waist deep in a porn hub search and your mom calls. And he's like, you have responsibility. And I'm like, and I told him straight, I was like, look, bro, I can't change who I am to be this person that you think would be worthy of this. Like, me being me is what got me here.
0: That's very true.
1: You know what I'm saying? True. Like, because yeah, right. we joke around all the time. What do we get? We get the, the porn jokes, we get the white girl jokes,
0: you know, that all that stuff comes. The poorly built Latina jokes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The, the best um but (laughs) we get those jokes right but the majority of people who make those are doing that in fun you know what i'm saying and they understand that these are ways to for people to let their guard down so we can have the more important conversations you know what i'm saying they know exactly what i'm about and what i stand for and nobody questions that now me me and him we had never talked before this is like a first time thing.
0: So he just randomly just DM'd you and told you that shit? Well, because
1: we know people in common and I'm sure he saw it and, you know, wanted to know what was going on. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I dig that. But Don't yeah. watch the video. That's the biggest thing though. Like I can't adjust who I am for the sake of who you think is a good beacon for, for this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because being me is what got us here. You know what I'm saying? Um boy, I just got a lot of feelings out that uh, I really needed to. Yeah, no, that's um, the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, you know, life is hard right now. Um, and when I say life is hard, people like me are hurting. And they don't have answers. And their country and their government are not giving them answers. Like They're not doing things... Right now to make things better for us.
0: So the thing is there are answers. They just don't want to act on those answers.
1: There, there are absolutely answers. There are because ways. Yeah.
0: The thing that kind of pisses me off is, you know, those young, like, you know, I'm a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. The state was very quick, which I think is a great thing that they did this. You know, first and foremost, I think it's a great thing. But about a year ago, I just think about it, about a year ago, they passed a state bill Wind effect immediately. Okay? Mm-hmm. That basically, if a teacher is found of a inappropriate conduct with a student, certificates pulled, they can never teach again in the state of Texas. Public, private, charter, nothing. Like, mm-hmm. like you, can't, you can't be a goddamn tutor. Mm-hmm. Okay? Kind of thing. Like, you know, pretty much make it damn near, you know, you're pretty much done. So, the answer for that is, okay which I think is a great idea. I think it's great they did that because I will be the very first person to snitch on a fellow teacher if they're doing shit like that. I'll be the first one to tell them and be like, look, this is what the fuck's going on. Get them out of here. So, you know, my, my thing is like, why can't state governments or even like, you know, federal government put in the same thing with these police that have long history of these uh, files of complaint, uh, police brutality, using excessive force and getting them out of the paint to where they can't be, a, um, you know, they can't be a police officer. They can't be a sheriff. Like you know, private security, like nothing. Like you know, basically that they, they have. It's a wrap. Yeah, you're done. So why can't we do the same with that? You know, that that's that's a hell of a start, and it would. I, I think that would help smooth a lot of things over, knowing that a lot of these people will never be in a position of power to where they can abuse it, and you know, hurt people ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Which I which, again, that's it's not the fix all. But it's definitely a hell of a star that is going to show that, you know what, you are, that, you know, we are taking this situation serious and we want to remedy it. We want to make things better. We want to fix this, you know, wrong. We want to fix all this injustice. Like, uh, And so my thing is, you know, my, my challenge, you know, to every state, every governor out there, including ours, you know, why not do the same? Why not the, the, say, the same Standards you hold our teachers to. Why not hold the same to law enforcement? Do the same with them.
1: It's amazing how many of these officers involved in these shootings um, and, and these these murders either A, just got on the job, or B, had a long history of complaints. And they're just allowed to just operate. They treat the cops like wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> They no, let you. Really you just come out and break the rules all the time, but you still get a title shot. I hate it. Um, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Let's end on this. Um, a positive note, my alma mater, University of Texas. So I think I was a junior or a sophomore when I took, no, I was definitely a junior because I remember, uh, Jamal Charles and, uh, Roy Miller and, uh, Jermichael Finley were all in my class. Um and Henry Melton. Don't want to forget Henry Melton. I did not know they made Abercrombie shirts that big. Um Right. So we were all in the same African American studies class. It's always weird when I remember that my minor was African African American Studies. Cause I how many classes did I take? I don't know. Um but what? <laughs> I was a college president.
0: I, I sat in on one of them.
1: Oh God, was it uh, oh, two of chemistry them. or was it astronomy none or some of, bullshit? Of,
0: I sat in the it was like geology. Yeah. And then I sat to another one where we watched that movie where, like, that, that dude is fucking that woman and he died. I don't remember that. I do. Um, Because <laughs> we rode the bus to your professor. Oh, for real? And you tell on the bus, like, hey, he's gonna be, she's like, okay.
1: Okay. Black professor? Yes. Okay, it was probably him. Um, that was a woman. Oh, man. So, my creative arts teacher uh, from my first semester is on Twitter, and I follow her on Twitter. I had the biggest crush on her. She was like the first woman I just remember being just can I say dazzling? Am I allowed to say dazzling? Like sure, Like go she ahead. was just so smart and just the way she talk about books and writing. I was like, I I uh, that's her. Stunner. Uh, yeah, man. hmm Well quit hating. it was also 15 years ago but um she looks like senora tattersall anyway uh, yeah. <laughs> love her uh so yeah these kids at um ut football team um the reason i bring up ut is because my junior saw or my junior year is when i had that class and basically dr williams is like hey so you know the eyes of texas is derived from a minstrel song right and i was like huh and he's like, "No, yeah. Here's here's all the information." And what got me was, like I understand Dr. Williams that it's derived from a minstrel song, but if it's derived from a minstrel song, why would they keep singing it? Don't they know that's wrong?
0: They just don't care. And here's here's a spoiler.
1: No, no. no, no, no. Welcome to white people. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to white people in charge.
0: Spoiler alert, guys. Austin is not as liberal as y'all want it to be. It really
1: oh, isn't. No, I mean, it really isn't. No, we should really like...
0: And I, I, hate, I hate it with a passion. Like, <laughs> I almost want to punch every single person like that has ever come to my life and been like, oh, well, Austin's so liberal. Like I just want to punch him in the face and be like, no, it is not liberal. Like, Austin is one of the most conservative segregated places in this country.
1: Austin has bars you can go to in a centralized space and they have live music in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Those are the liberal things about Austin. And they have a beach you can go to naked. That's the extent of it. Yep, It's just a lot of white people outside playing Frisbee. That does not equate to liberalism. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, but But so no. It was like, oh, well, if they know it's wrong, why would they play that? You got to remember, I was on campus 3 to 8 So we had Confederate statues. I, I, I'm a liberal arts major, so most of my classes are in the six-pack. It is a line of six buildings where we take classes. And there's a big field in the middle, and they had a bunch of Confederate statues out there. They just recently came down, right? So, you know, all this stuff is happening, and you got to understand this. University of Texas, based on location, based on boosters, based on Ricky Williams,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Vince Young, and Colt McCoy, and I'm being I'm naming those three to talk about. Basically, me being older and adult. Okay, you swirl all those things in, and you have the richest football program in the world. Um, in college anyway. You know what I'm saying? But the richest in the world. That is built almost exclusively off of the backs of black people. Because that's college sports, right? College football and basketball in particular. So, basically, unpaid labor has made University of Texas a powerhouse.
0: Sounds familiar. What do you call it?
1: So I'm not equating it to slavery. I'm not doing that. But I'm just just saying to preface, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine you, black student athlete, aware of the world, right? You know that what you're doing is making these people all this money. And what do they do to pay you back? Name a bunch of buildings, have a bunch of statues after people who would not consider you a person. All right? All right. University of Texas football team got together. Uh, shout out to Brennan Eagles, who I think is going to turn out to be a fine receiver. Um, and I'm just going to read this whole thing because y'all got shit else to do. You can listen to me talk. Here at the University of Texas, we live by the saying, what starts here changes the world. The role of a student athlete at the University of Texas brings with it responsibilities beyond that of the average student. We are expected to serve as ambassadors for the university, our respective programs, the student body, and at times, the entire state of Texas. As ambassadors, it is our duty to utilize our voice and role as leaders in the community to push for change to the benefit of the entire UT community. The recent events across the country regarding racial injustice have brought to light the systemic racism of that has always been prevalent in our country, as well as the racism that has historically plagued our campus. As a student body, we've had many conversations about how Texas can actively take charge. Our athletic department released a statement acknowledging these injustices and publicly supported the rights of student-athletes using their voices to make change. We as student-athletes, and collectively as the University of Texas Longhorn football team, are aware that we are an athletic department made up of Black athletes and believe it is time we become active on our campus. We aim to hold the athletic department and university to a higher standard by not only asking them to keep their promise of condemning racism on our campus, but to go beyond this by taking action to make Texas more comfortable and inclusive for the Black athletes and the Black community that has so fervently supported this program. On behalf of the UT student-athletes, we ask to have the following issues addressed through implementation or a plan for implementation at the start of the fall semester. We will continue to practice, work out, and participate in all required team activities in preparation for the upcoming season, but without an official commitment from the university, we will not be participating in the recruiting of incoming players or donor-related events. We ask our fellow student-athletes to stand with us. It's beautiful, by the way. Um, Before I talk about what they want, just the ability to say, we're mostly black and you know this. This campus can do more for us and the other black students just means so much. Because again, I was there when it was 1% black, right? I remember going to parties and the only way you were getting in is if you were black and played a sport. That made you different, right? Um, yeah, so so I'm very much like, I think it's beautiful that they understand the plight of everybody else. Because they know, even though they're treated uniquely, it's because of a skill. Not because of who they are. You know what I mean? And yeah, which is not to true. say there aren't like probably great kids on that team who were probably geniuses, but... That's not what those white fret boys see when you come in through their door. OK. All right. So we request the following campus actions, renaming of buildings, Robert Lee Moore Hall, Painter Hall, Littlefield Hall to include the patio and fountain. James Hogg Auditorium to include the permanent removal of the James Hogg statue. The replacement of statues with more diverse statues on campus designed by artists and sculptors who are people of color. Fucking beautiful. Don't just get another white person in here to tell me what they want. Let somebody of color decide what these people need to see. Love it. Um, The inclusion of the inclusion of modules for incoming freshmen discussing the history of racism on campus. Example, Texas Cowboys and providing racial injustice awareness. An outreach program for inner cities, Austin, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. These fucking kids, man. Like, the fact that we need to tell these people when they come to campus, hey, everything here ain't sweet. Here's what kids had to deal with. Because me, I remember um, kids telling us about people throwing bleach out the windows to lighten their skin. In it, While I was an undergrad.
0: Wait, wait. I'm sorry.
1: What? People throwing bleach out of the windows at students of color to lighten their skin. Okay. Wow. I remember the the Cinco de Mayo parties, the Native American parties, the the ghetto pimps and hoes parties. I remember all that. Oh yeah.
0: I've okay. Never seen that shit. Yeah.
1: Athletic actions. More diversity in the Hall of Fame to include a permanent Black athletic history exhibit. The UT Athletics Department which brought in, I think, $280 million in 2018 to donate 0.5 of their annual earnings to black organizations in the Black Lives Matter movement. Put the money up. And again, not, not half, 0.5. So if you made a million dollars, what is that? 50000
0: I think Somewhere, that's right. Yeah, yeah no. if have made a million dollars, 50,000, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah. The renaming of an area in the stadium after Julius Whittier, the first black football player at UT. Because you got to remember, I think that, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think that 66 team mm-hmm. that won the national title, I don't think that team was integrated. I think that was like the last non-integrated national champ. So, yeah, Texas has a history of being racist assholes. Now, changes regarding the entire black community at UT. The replacement of the eyes of Texas with a new song without racist undertones. Lifting the requirement of athletes to sing the song because they're expected to sing it. Like I, I swear, again, Roy Miller sat right there in that class with me and I had to watch Roy Miller sing that song week after week. After games. Like. Yeah. Like America. And Texas. And whoever you want to say. Has a long history. Of hiding racism. And forcing people into it. And what happens. When you. Hide the racism. In in plain sight. And people have to keep subscribing to it. Or keep subscribing to it. They become more racist. Because they think it's the norm. Like. We've almost gone an hour um, and we try to keep it under that so I think we will. Thank you for being here so I can get my thoughts out. I do really appreciate it. Um, still don't know if it's going to be exactly next week. We do our next show, but guys, soon we are getting back to normal with these because you motherfuckers keep going outside making news. <laughs> so
0: That and I've officially moved into the SK house.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I got, man. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here?
0: No, just, you know, guys, just uh, stay safe. You got to go outside, you know, wear a mask. Don't make it about yourself. You know, think about the other people that could get sick. You know, cases are spiking up all, all over, not only Texas, but around the country. Um, and, and, you know, w- with everything going on, you know, guys, listen to your black friends. Listen to them. Don't assume that you know what they want. Listen to them. And in turn, use your platform to get what needs to be done.
1: Pretty soon, guys, we are going to have super duper official information about how you can support the Black Wrestling Coalition. Um, Like, all this stuff happened to happen in June, which is now the busiest month for my job. And so July is finally when I get some space to really sit down and break down exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, just to kind of recap. Um the world is bigger than your Facebook group. Um the world is bigger than your neighborhood and the world is bigger than Sarah Langston. It's a South Congress podcast, episode 110. My name is Cameron and I'm Isaiah. And we're out.
0: Bye. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comic, show, or movie discussed? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.